it's, it's, it's on. Yes. Thank you. Well, good morning. It's fabulous to see you all here this morning, and uh, thank you so much for sharing in that offering again. Um, a few, two years ago, I had the joy of meeting John and Flo Evans after many, many years. They have been dear friends of Ray and Sue, um, and spending some time with them and seeing a couple who have devoted their lives to preaching the gospel in the nations. I don't think I've ever met a couple who are so skilled at learning languages. Um, John moved to Mexico and um, learned Spanish and then felt a call to go across to Rio. And so he thought, okay, well, I'll learn Portuguese and uh, now preaches in both of them. And I feel extremely humbled by the dedication and skill, having lived in uh, nations that require other languages. But um, it really is wonderful to be here. I, I was sorry the conference was ending because I felt the whole of me arrived this morning. My body's been here for the last two days, and I seem to have left a large part of me in, um, in London. But this morning I woke up thinking, ah, oh, I feel whole again. So um, I feel like a new person. So if we can start again, that would be great. Um, and I hope what I have been saying over the last few days has made sense. But um, overall, I will be leaving here later this week to return to my wife, Heather, in London, where we have been for the last few months feeling that we have a tremendous or a, a massive opportunity here in the States. And just seeing you this morning um, brought a lot of joy to my heart. It's great to be together. And I hope that we will take advantage of it. I can remember uh, over the years, and I know we can all get conference fatigue, um, and I wish we didn't have to use that word. And quite often, I have said to the guys, let's not use that word. Let's, let's just tell our people we're going to gather to God for a few days and see what he has to say. Because it changes the atmosphere. Rather than gathering to speakers or to um, the latest worship songs or anything, we gather to God and give him opportunity to get hold of our lives and to shape us. And um, so I, I, I've come to uh, being at many of these times as a businessman and going forward for prayer and saying, God, I feel so busy in my business, but yet I feel this call. How does it all work? And then one day hearing this, this message that we've been hearing over the last few days of the glorious church and how God wants the glorious church to fill the world and be the light and bring life. And I was sold out. <laughs> Um, I remember going home to Heather, we, Cameron, my son, who you um, were introduced to you a little moment ago, they, him and his brother were, were very tiny, and going home and saying to Heather, we're going to the nations. And she passed me um, Cameron's brother, Richard, and she said, well, let's start by you changing his nappy. I've been doing it all the time. You've been at this conference. But... Um, God got hold of our hearts, and here we are many years ago, many years later, following God in His purposes. I want to pray, and then I want to read to you two passages of Scripture that God laid in my heart for today, but let me pray. Father, I thank you as we bring this to a close that you give us this mighty privilege of representing you in far-off nations, in our town, to our neighbors, to our work friends tomorrow morning, for those of us who go. Lord, you give us this wonderful opportunity to join you in this great adventure of making Jesus famous across the nations. I thank you too, Lord, for what I can only count as the greatest privilege of being able to encounter people of so many different cultures and to learn so much and to be blessed by the diversity of the people you created and have called into your kingdom. Now I pray, Lord, that you'd give me a clear mind, that you'd give us hearts that are ready to hear from you, Holy Spirit. Guide us and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 26, I want to read to you a few um, uh, scripture uh, verses from Acts chapter 26. I can't read the whole passage because time is going to run away, but Paul is in imprisonment. He's on his way to, well, will be on his way to Jerusalem. And um, while he is in Caesarea, he is brought before King Agrippa, who wants to hear Paul's story. And in verse 14 of chapter 26, 
Let me go from verse 12. He's giving his testimony before the king who has no idea who the strange man is or why everybody wants to kill him and sort him out. And so he's speaking. I got arrested once for the gospel, um, uh, for preaching the gospel in Lesotho and crossing an international border and um, with, with two young men that I was discipling. And I had to come before the magistrate. And he said, have you got anything to say? And it's the worst thing you can ever say to a preacher. <laughs> and so whenever I read this, I remember that moment. And 45 minutes later, this guy was leaning on his desk, looking at me over his glasses. And I thought, death penalty coming. <laughs> but um, I'm here today. In connection, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. This is while he was still uh, persecuting the church. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? He answered his question, didn't he? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. You see, Jesus' ownership of the church. But rise. And stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant, apostolic ministry, it's a servant ministry, not a title or position, and witness to the things in which you have seen me and those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who, have, have, who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, turns to King Agrippa, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision but declared first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. Father God, what a wonderful commission. Help us, Jesus, and guide us. If you want to turn now to a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's a passage where I felt God lead me into what we do now, and particularly the name for this family of churches, regions beyond, comes from this passage. And it's many um, years before, as Paul's writing to the Corinthians, who Ray has just quoted. And in verse 13 of chapter 10, Paul is having to um, stand up for his apostolic fatherhood amongst the Corinthians because at the time, he is not able to be with them. He has many pressures in his life, uh, lots of persecution, imprisonment, and he's unable to be with them. Some false apostles, I haven't got time to read how he describes them, but he doesn't mince his words, as we would say. Uh, he calls them deceitful workmen of God in the church, and sort of say, where is this mighty man? If, if he really is a father, why is he not at home? If he really is a father, why does he send letters and doesn't come in person? He's so unimpressive when he's with you, all these things. And poor old Paul is having to live in the loneliness of being on the road all the time for the gospel, planting new churches, opening new ground. And so he's having to defend his apostolic ministry. And he writes this, we will not boast beyond limits but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. 
For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do not boast beyond the limits in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may greatly enlarge so that we may preach the gospel. In the ESV it says in lands beyond, in regions beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. A few years ago, as this great adventure began, we didn't have much definition. We were still trying to work things out and settle what God had called us to do. I had just moved to the Middle East with my wife, Heather, and my two other sons, and we were settling down there. And one of the things that caught my attention in Dubai was the, the diversity of the people. It's like every nation, I forget how many now in Dubai, almost 200 different people groups or nations gathered into Dubai. And it's as if they were all in the same church. I think at the time we had 40 or 50 different nationalities in Gateway Church Dubai. And suddenly doors began to open into nations I hadn't even dreamed of. Nations I had to quickly go and look and think, oh, I'm not quite sure where that is. And God began doing these things. And one day while I was away with a whole group of senior leaders, I was sitting having a, cha having a chat to one of our senior fathers in the, the group we were participating in at the time. And I was saying to him, I'm under pressure. I feel torn in so many different ways. There's so many opportunities. There's this one, there's that one. Plus, we've got this church that's growing so quickly. Nations coming in expression of Jesus. That's so beautiful. And I'm trying to settle in my heart what God has called me to do. I feel I'm having to go places I didn't even imagine I would go to. I so appreciate fathers and I met some over these last few days. There was a gentleman last night, I hope it was either Howard or Harold here. It was so lovely chatting to you, Howard, and just hearing his heart and all the experience and the, you know, of God. And I thought, wow, how important fathers are in the church that we can pass on what God has done. And he said to me, Steve, can I tell you a story? So I said, sure, you know, we've got time. And he started to tell me the story, and it captured my heart and set me on a course that I hope will set you and I, we together, on a course today. He said to me many years ago, in fact, some 300 years before Jesus, a young man raised up in Greece by the name of Alexander, I think it was Alexander II, he became known as... Alexander the Great, because this man had the ability to gather people, to raise up an army, but he was also a young man that didn't only have the skill in battle, he had passion. And so he led, I can hear this microphone, is this my, is it okay? Sorry, I can hear it banging a little bit. But he led a, a mighty army from Greece into what we know as modern day Turkey, and when he had conquered that area, he went further south, east into modern day Iran. And then he just kept going through the nations, one after another, great conquests. And they just pushed forward and took ground. And one day as they were pushing further and further towards what we know as India, they came to the great Himalaya mountains. In India, they called them the Himalayas. And I could never understand which mountains those were until I worked it out. We have wonderful churches in India. And from the very front lines, a few kilometers further ahead, the commander of the army came galloping back to his king. And he said this, my king, we have reached the end of our maps. We need to turn around. We have reached the end. It is said that 
this young king, Alexander, replied, March on! We have come here to draw new maps. And so they marched on. Sadly, history reports this. My dear older friend said to me, he said, Alexander was considered one of the world's most successful commanders. However, in seeking to reach the ends of the earth and the great outer sea as it was known, he was forced to turn back at the demands of his troops. And he looked me in the eye and he said, Stephen, go and draw new maps for Jesus. And I never forget that moment. And from that moment, I have done my best, like Paul, to be faithful to the calling of God. And that's what brings us here. And now as we come to the close of this weekend, the summit, I believe that God spoke to me during, I threw away a comment in my message yesterday morning about get a map. And as I said that, something arrested my heart. So if you were concentrating, you realize I'm preaching a different message to what I told you I would do. Because something got hold of my heart where I believe that for all of you, for myself, for us as a movement of churches, God wants us to lay hold of some fresh promise to do some great adventures in his name. There will be some mighty mountains to conquer. There will also be some challenges that will test our faith. There will be some rough waters to traverse. Like we heard from Ray yesterday about Peter in the boat. And there'll be opportunities in the rough waters to step out because Jesus calls us. How often we come forward for prayer. We say, I really have such a longing for God. But I can't go now because things are a little bit rough. I need to first do this or that. That's when Jesus calls us. That's what made Peter unique is that it was, when it was rough, he was willing to follow Jesus. And Ray spelt it out last night for us, a beautiful message. One that's, we've got this beautiful message to carry, one that's worth giving all for. And I looked at those pictures, for those of you who are here, of that young, handsome Jim Elliott. I'm sure all the ladies were trying to concentrate on Ray's message and looking at this young guy and thinking, yeah, You look at this thing, he gave everything. Any great call to be fruitful for God begins with anointing and a calling. He doesn't send us out just as we are. He gives us everything. His spirit, I'm with you. Never leave you. As Josh pointed out this morning, we receive that power, that fire, and Jesus said to his disciples, wait until you receive it. Then you will be my witnesses. And so it is with us too. So this persecutor of the church, Saul, high and mighty on his horse, traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus, here I go again. I've destroyed the church for you, Lord, Yahweh. The way is being defeated. It will not stand. Here I come. When I was here last time, Josh took me up the mountainside on, I can't remember her name. She was very gentle with me. Jill? Oh. And uh, we had a great time. And I can imagine Paul, all his pride and his entourage traveling with him until suddenly there's this great light that arrests him. And I love that little statement. He said, when we had fallen to the ground... Those robes of importance, of self-worth and position are suddenly in the dirt of the floor before Jesus. And right there, without any explanation or anything, Jesus doesn't bring him to account because he knows he needs a savior. And he commissions him in that place. The Jew of Jews... He says, and I'm sending you to the Gentiles. 
I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Just for a moment, think of one people group, because we all got them, that you really struggle with. I grew up as a white South African. Young boy, right through my schooling, everything, we were told we were superior to the black races of Africa. You grow up with this understanding fed through the system. Suddenly God in my 20s speaks to me and says, I'm sending you to the daisies of Africa, the people who are many. Go and take hope. My greatest friends are among those people groups. He commissions Saul right there, gives him a clear lane to run in. And so it is with us too. And many years later, we find Saul, Paul now, in change, in, in fetters, standing before this king. Jesus said, you will, you will stand, you will testify before kings, and there he is. And he's able to paint this glorious picture of the church and what Jesus wants to do. And then these words, brothers and sisters, and king, O oh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient with the heavenly calling. I'm not sure he was actually talking to the king at that time. I think it was a man's grateful heart standing before Jesus and saying, Jesus, I have been faithful with what you've given me. Many years before, as he wrote to the Corinthian church, when his relationship, as I explained, and calling is under threat and being questioned, he takes this little cameo of a passage, and I wish I had time to read you the whole of chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, but he takes it just to set in place this whole calling and how it works and how to carry it, because we all want to be fruitful. Is that right? We all want to be called by God. We all want to, at the end of our days, want to hear those words, good and faithful servant. I, I know I do. When I read these words, I think, oh, Lord, please, all the years of my life, let me finish and say, Lord, I wasn't disobedient. I even went to Montana. <laughs> oh, it's been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But I'd like to take a few of Paul's inspired thoughts and speak to us today to give us understanding how one day we can stand and have that as our testimony this morning. Yesterday, we, during the meeting, we stood and called out names of new towns and cities. And it was almost like we began to draw new maps and I hope as I finish today that there will be a longing in your heart to leave this place thinking, I'm not going to just settle in what I know. I'm not going to settle for this. I'm going to start drawing new maps. And sometimes it's not geography. It's actually just responding to that neighbor next door, to that business partner. And I hope that you will want to push on and see new maps drawn. So let me just give you some lessons to help us today. Because for me, this is the clarity of what God has called us to do. So the first thing I believe that as we press forward, Paul is stating here, where he says, I will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence, the field God assigned to us to reach even to you. Verse 13, the first thing is, it is not a competition. It's about faithfulness to a task. Point Paul is making. It's not a competition. He said, there are other people out there. God's assigned a field to me like a farmer. He's saying, Paul, listen, this is your patch here. I want you to farm that. I want you to bring in the harvest in that piece of ground, that area. And maybe next door to Paul, there's someone else who God has said, I want you to take this area. And it's a bigger area or a smaller area. But it's God in his sovereignty that looks at each one of us, that takes each one and he assigns specific tasks. And to Paul, he assigned a field. 
You know, one of the things that's so impressive about Paul, I think comes through so clearly in Ephesians chapter four, where he talks about the risen Lord and how he took captives. He took captives and he gave good gifts to his church. And Paul became a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So often you read it in the epistles. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. A dear friend of ours, John Colwell, unpacked that for us some time ago. And he said he's not talking about being behind bars. He's not talking about being in chains. Not that type of prisoner. He's a prisoner to Jesus Christ. In other words, wherever Jesus goes, I go. I've been taken, I'm a bond servant, I'm a prisoner of Jesus, bonded together like prisoners, a prisoner of him. And I tell you what, if God can get a hold of your heart after this conference and after the messages we've heard, Trevor, on Friday night, if you haven't been here, please get hold of that message. It was like he drew back the, court, the curtains and showed us the glorious church all over again. And in the message he spoke, quoting Bill Hybels from Chicago here in the States, where Bill shared a testimony of a young man being arrested by Jesus. You know, he's going through his studies and getting through, and it's all very interesting, lots of information, and oh, I know in a short time I'll have my degree, I'll be able to say I'm qualified. And through this one lecturer, he suddenly stopped and just drew back the curtains and said, this is the church of Jesus Christ. And Bill Hybels writes about he was arrested. He was taken prisoner. Have you had that experience? 1992 was my moment. I was on my own. Heather was home with Cameron and his brother Richard. I was the guy who, who drove the team to a gathering to God. They said, you've got a nice big people carrier. Why don't you drive us? I said, okay, I'll drive you. How far? 19 hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> Off we went. So I sat right at the back of the meeting. You know, there could have been a sign. Drivers sit here. You know, all the leaders up front and all the important people and all happening on the stage. And I'm sitting at the back as a businessman. My people carrier worked. I've got all the leaders there and sitting at the back. And the glorious church was put on display. And right at the end came this call. Who is willing to give their life for this, become a bond servant to this great mission? And I used these long legs of mine. Before any other lead or anybody could be there, I was up front. I don't know, I didn't even make contact with my pastor at the time or any of the other leaders he was bringing through. I was at the front. I saw it, I was arrested, I said, God, I love my business, I love Cape Town, South Africa, beautiful city, I live in the wine lands of Cape Town, I've got everything planned, Cameron Richard booked into the best school, everything is sorted, but I've seen it. And today, I lay it all down for this vision. And then I had to return home and explain that to my wife. I was in India, in Mumbai. We had 500 or so people gathered for a conference we call the Glorious Church. And there was this one young married couple. She was this bouncy, vivacious, lovely Indian woman. And I don't know how it happened. I, don't, I have not met her parents because I think they're absolute heroes. They had allowed her to marry her schoolboy sweetheart, whose name was Abdullah Jamal. He was a Muslim. And when I heard this, I thought, wow, seriously? Unequally yoked and all the scriptures and God's challenging all my prejudices and understanding. Anyway, Abdullah decides he's going to bring his wife to the conference. He wants to see who we are. 
And so I preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling, the empowering, the releasing of God. And while I'm up preaching, this young man is right at the back of the hall and he's sitting on his own watching. He's sitting and he's listening to this. And then came the time, come forward, those of you who want to be released in this wonderful awakening of the inner man. And as I began to pray for people, guess what? At the back of the hall, the spirit was moving too. And Abdullah stood up and the tears started to flow down his face until a friend of mine went to him and said, may I pray for you? He said, yes, but what is this I feel? And he said, it's the love of God. He got arrested that day. The next morning, we, he asked if he could see me, if the two of them could meet. And we went to this coffee shop in India. It's called Cafe Coffee. The slogan is, a lot can happen over a cup of coffee. <laughs> and we sat down across a table, and he said to me, what did I feel? Can you explain? Who is this Jesus? And over a cup of coffee, I shared with him. He said, can I come? I said, whoa, absolutely. I led him to the Lord. They have now left India. They've come over to Thornton Heath in London. And I'm discipling him to go back to India and plant churches. When God arrests you, all the other things just become immaterial. And you think, oh, no, that's so costly, Stephen. That's so costly. That means I will have to lay, I don't know if I can do that. I might even miss the Seahawks game on, I become a Seahawks supporter, by the way, okay? <laughs> Having been with you, I'm going to buy a t-shirt on the way home. I... Oh dear, have I lost half of you? Help me, Ray. He's oh, I like those t-shirts, eh? The Grizz, yeah. Okay. Where was I? It's costly to follow Jesus. But you know what? We're part of this great, great opportunity. Paul was taken prisoner. God said to him, this is your field. He's saying to us as churches together, and thank you so much for gathering today, giving to our worldwide mission again. He's saying, for all of you, this is the field I've given you. Ours is a strange field. It's not ge geographical in nature. We've got churches in the far ends of the earth. Dialan now in China, got a small group meeting in an apartment block. I think they're the highest church we've got. We've got churches that meet under the most beautiful tree in the mountains of Lesotho, central southern Africa. I think I mentioned them last time because I went, I was with them. I said, do you think we can help you put up a building? And they said, Daddy Steve, which is Father Steve. It's a sign of respect. Daddy Steve, why do we need a building? We've got our tree. It's cool in summer and it's warm. We get the sun in in winter. I said, your building's cold. <laughs> I stood rebuked. We've got all these churches and they're part of you. They're part of our family. You've just taken ground today in a favela in Rio. One day you'll stand before Jesus and next to you someone will stand and they'll say, thank you. Thank you. Me? What did I do? On the 25th of September, 2016, a little man from England, Ray Lowe, had to get you out of your chair and you gave some money. I got saved through that. God's given us a field, brothers and sisters, over the nations. And when we see him, we don't want any regrets. Like Paul, we want to stand Say, we're prisoners for you, Jesus. We're prisoners for you, your purposes. And we've been faithful. We've been faithful. 
So the first thing is, we're not in competition. There are great movements in this nation. There are great movements in India, South Africa. We run in our lanes next to them. We cheer them on. We encourage them. In Dubai, some time ago, we were going through quite a big change as we were leaving. And we took a portion of our money as we were distributing between the two churches that I helped lead and plant. We took a portion of them and we traveled across the town to another movement. And we said, we just felt led by God to give you this. Farm well in your field. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and I need to finish, don't I, Josh? We operate in the limits set by God. We'll confine our boasting to this field. It's set by God. I mentioned that the English are an interesting people group. I'm sure you've worked that out, having Ray here for the last while. If you travel to England, one of the most beautiful parts of that nation is in a place called Derbyshire. And if you go up there, unlike we really tough South Africans who pull barbed wire and we make fences and we, you know, carve up the land and, you know, the cows stay where they're meant to, the British build these beautiful little stone walls. I mean, it's, you think, where did that come from? And the whole landscape as you travel, it is beautiful. All these Stone walls, you can, you can build eight yards a day, I'm told, if you know how to pack them. No cement, nothing. You pack them and then comes this rock that just links the whole thing together. And then you go eight yards a day. I don't know how many days it took them. But when you go there, you get such a picture of the limits that are set for each farmer. And that's what God's done for us. He's saying there's no competition. Just be faithful with what I've given you because I'll set your limits. God's given us an area of influence that keeps growing. We are not ambitious for numbers. To be honest, I don't think I could tell you accurately how many churches are part of our church family. I think David tried that and he got into lots of trouble, so I'll leave that to God. I'd rather know the names of the people and enjoy fellowship with them than wondering, regions beyond us now broken through so many numbers. Because God's given us an area of influence, and I'm so grateful for it. For in one moment, we can be in a beautiful, sophisticated setting like this. Next time, as Andrew experienced and Brian from uh, Bozeman, you can be preaching among some mud houses, and they are equally as much regions beyond as we are. If you looked at those pictures, did you notice the ceiling? They moved in and they put up all the nation's flags to remind them that they are joined with people in Missoula, Montana. They joined with people from Spokane. They joined with people in Pakistan and India on the islands of the Philippines. And while they were there last Sunday, a week ago, they were praying together for a church plant that took place in a small town in England a new church of ours, Chesterley Street is the town. And you think, wow, this is our field. In 1992, as I mentioned, God moved my heart. And I started to ask God for the nations. I was leading a small church. I think last year I explained to you, we were in an old, uh, do you call it a sink barn or a corrugated iron barn? don't know what your terminology is. And we could get five, 600 people in there. We had no chairs, so we used hay bales, little square hay bales. And as I explained last time, no one ever fell asleep in our meetings. It was so uncomfortable. You spend more time trying to get these little grass things out of your blessed assurance than you did. Um... And while we were there, God said, ask me for the nations. And we started to ask God, we started to believe that he would do something that would take us to the ends of the earth because that's what my Bible told me what church was like. 
And I can remember as God began to move us on, people said, oh no, don't do away with the hay bales. It's just so wonderful. This church is so great, you know. And you think, no, we're not meant to stay here. And so we continue to raise up people and raise up the poor. As I mentioned yesterday, a young boy, a little African boy, he was about so big when I met him. He was a waiter in a restaurant. I hope I can bring him here one day. His name is Fuzi Mukwena from the Mukwena tribe, the clan, the nation. That's what the word means. God said the nations will be reached, the Mukwenas will be reached. And he was a waiter trying to pay himself through his studies. And as we enjoying a pizza, I looked up and God said to me, I'm going to give you him as your leader, as a leader. So I called him over and he said, yes, what do you need? And I said, I knew him as David in those days. David, I'm not sure you know this, but God's got his hand on you. And he's just promised me that you're going to be a leader in my church. And he looked at me and he's he's got a big smile. You'll see his smile. I think his smile is bigger than his face sometimes. And he gave me this beautiful, big, toothy smile. He said, oh, very nice, very nice. And he walked inside. Years later, he told me, I was so cross with you. He said, but I couldn't show it because you tipped well. Ray taught me well. Be generous in every situation. It saves you sometimes. And Fuzzy got raised up. A few months later, just prior to her death, his mom, which is part of our church, God seemed to impress on her that she had very few days left. And so she went around the township, very, very poor, and she managed to find someone who would loan her a television, and they took it back to her little um, house, plugged it in. She got a DVD player, and she invited all her family, many as could fit in this little lounge, and she got a DVD of the Passion of the Christ. (laughs) And she said... I want you all to watch this. And they watched that story of Jesus. What a gruesome picture that was. But And David Fuzzy surrendered his life to the Lord, joined the church. Now he leads the church in Dubai. God can use you, brothers and sisters. He can use you. He's given you a field. Thirdly and lastly, I'll finish as soon as I can, Josh. Paul says to the church, he says, so I'm not going to boast because there are others doing greater work than I'm doing. There are others who have greater effectiveness than us, but we're going to be faithful with what God's given us. That's my calling. Not going to be disobedient because I know that God has set the field that I operate in. And then he says now, and this is what I want to say to you and call on you this morning. He says, where is it? He says, but our hope, my hope, Paul, is that, let me put it, I'm I'm gonna personalize this. Verse 15 of chapter 10. My hope, Stephen, is that as your faith, churches of Montana and Washington and further afield, as your faith increases, as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may greatly enlarge. Why? So that we can go to the regions beyond. So my third point is this. Your growing faith with many others means we can go further. God's not looking for one-man ministries. He's not looking for superstars. He's looking for apostolic people groups, a people who devote themselves to Christ. And so we all yours, Jesus, and we release everyone. For those of you who were here yesterday morning to see those guys who went and, and built and changed the tavern standing up here, 
all gifted men. Some of them really very well trained, others skilled in craft, but everyone's got a part to play. I tell you what, I could keep every builder in this place busy 24 7, 365 days a year. But we need teachers for children, as we saw on the screen. She said, We can only do ch 10 children because there are only two of us. That's a small seed, like a mustard seed. But as your faith increases, as you grow and think, Hey, Lord, I'm hearing this message, I want to play my part. Whatever your vocation in life is, I want to play my part. Stephen, I'm a mom at home with two little boys and a little girl. I've got no time. i tell you what you can do for me. Take a scrap of paper and write on there, Ray and Sue Lowe, pray for them. Maybe another one, Stephen and Heather. Maybe another one, Gafar and Huma. And stick them on your fridge. And every time the little ones come to you and say, Mommy, I'm thirsty. You go to the fridge and you just think, Oh, Lord, remember those people. You are on a mission with us. J.B. Phillips, great commentator on this passage. He says, he translates this. I hope this is not too in your face. He says, Your growing faith will mean the expansion of our sphere of action apostolic global impact and healthy local church are integrated. Can I say that again? Our work into the nations and healthy local church are integrated. They're interdependent. You can't have one without the other, he's saying. They are two different things, he continues. A healthy church can help apostolic thrust. In other words, making Jesus famous. A church that is not healthy is not helping the world get evangelized. We're in this together. Let me close. It's been a joy to be here. We have a thrilling call, and I can see the amazing gifting and ability in you as a people. I pray that you would allow God to arrest your heart for what we are doing. The world, the lust, are depending on you. They're waiting for us. They're waiting for us. The destiny of thousands upon thousands await you and I to say yes to Jesus. And I hope together as a people, we can say, so King Agrippa, so King Jesus, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Not disobedient. You showed me something, Lord, in my simplicity and my weakness, my lack of training, my lack of experience. I put my trust in you that if you're calling me, I can do my bit. And I was not disobedient. I believe God does want us to draw some new maps. I think some of you sitting here, there is such opportunity for you just to take a step for Jesus. Just to take a step and say, Lord, I don't know what this means but I'm going to start the journey. Here I am. That's where I started. Ray will tell you the same thing many, many, and will go around this room. It's exactly the same. We, we don't bring much. We don't bring much to the party. Just our hearts. And we say, Jesus, just as I am, just as I am, here I am. Let's stand. Where's Dave and team? Are you um, here somewhere? Can you get your... I really enjoyed that this morning. Excuse me? Yeah, bring it up there as well. Yeah, please. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I felt all young again this morning. 
Don't you put your hands out. Dave, I wonder if we could, um, I wrote down these words, let heaven roar, which was a short little verse you sang. Can you do something? Or is there something you would like to do rather? You sang a short little section, let, all right, send revival, I think it's had something like that. Okay, just hang on for me for a moment. Maybe Miriam, you can just play. It is just so cool. I tell you what, if I had my African churches here today, we had our African churches here today, this place would have been wild. (laughs) Put your hands out in front of you. for just a moment. Josh, could I have that paper? I'm going to do that. Miriam, can you just take it down just a little bit, just for a moment? As I was praying this morning, I, um, thank you. Maybe you keep those, because you'll need to hand them out for me. I was praying over you this morning as a PR, saying, God, catch us up in your purposes. And I felt God give me a picture of this map of people just standing before him. As a sign of saying, I'm gonna go draw new maps. I love action, I'm an African. So a lot of what happens in Africa is not so much up here, it's in the heart. That's why Mandela was such an amazing leader didn't convince people. He won people with a heart. And so I love actions like this. And as we sing now, if you feel you're up for drawing a new map, going places you haven't been before, taking steps of faith you've never done before, what if you could have a few people across the front with pieces of paper, come and grab one. We're going to hold it before God. Maybe you can take it home with you. It's really quite impressive. And you can remind yourself during the week, Lord, I'm gonna draw new maps now, not staying how I was. We're gonna march on and take some land and make you famous. If you wanna do that, come and grab one and stand up front. Let's sing as we do that. Just come out your chairs and we'll stand together as we bring this to a close. I'm gonna ask Ray to come and join me on the platform. And just pray over us. Let heaven roll when fire fall. Come shake the ground with your sound of revival. Let heaven roll when fire fall. Come shake the ground. With your sound of revival, let heavy roar, when fire fall. Come shake this ground with your sound of revival. Well, let heavy roar, when fire fall. Come shake this ground with your 